Welcome to the Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. Tonight I'll be saying some improvised horror stories. Every title is one that I've never seen before. And then I improvise the stories from there. First, first card I draw will be the title of the episode. The second card will be the title of the first story. The name of the episode is called Balls to the Carbon System. And the first story is It's all fun and games until the cows come home. sized farm in central Pennsylvania, up in the Berks County area. His main financial uh, revenue came from, you know, selling meat, selling some dairy, and it was all from his cows. Sure, he had some other animals, you know, he had pigs. He also had some horses where he would occasionally host uh, ride-alongs for people who wanted to learn how to ride and rent out the horses to ranches. But even still, if he didn't have that cattle, he didn't have a way to make, make a living. And in these times of the pandemic and the civil arrest, unrest, brought him and Jeremy's family much concern. But then by the fourth week, on the 28th day, the cows came home. It seemed like an anomaly at first. They were practically single, single file, going in one by one. And they all went back into their pens. And even knew how to close the latch, latches behind them. This was a concern for Jeremy. The cows couldn't speak English. He had no way to communicate with them. But he went out on the farm and did the count. He saw that all the cows came back, both the ones that he used for meat and the ones he used for dairy. So he was like, all right, as long as they're back in, I suppose I have nothing to complain about. So after a few days of letting the cows get acclimated uh, back to the farm, you know, feeding them 
these kids like to hang out with the cows. They didn't quite understand what uh, Farmer Jeremy put them through to make a living. So there's one day when he was starting to do his dairy run, you know. The cows like to be milked frequently. And he always woke up early in the morning to do it. So he tried to clock, clock back into his regular routine. Got up at 6 a.m., had his coffee, and then at 6.30 he went out to milk the cows. When he set up the bucket, the cows kept kicking it. They all seemed to do this. All in the same manner like they rehearsed it. He was just like, what the hell is this? Tell the cows wanted to be milked. But when he tried to yank at the udders, they freaked out. And then all the male cows were moving at him too. So eventually all the cows started mooing and getting frustrated, he just kinda left left the barn. Alright, what the hell's going on? These cows disappear for a month come back and they're not being compliant with me. He tried to go online for some farmer advice, asked around for some friends. Eventually he found a blog about stories about the disappearances of cows. How they'll be gone for a few weeks to a month and then they'd come back and be different. But all the stories he read about it was just like, you know, eventually the cows start getting mutilated and stuff. And it was getting him closer to some fringe subjects on the internet, such as UFOs and all that. There's a vast cow lore when it comes to UFOs. Either of them getting mutilated by aliens being taught different ways to be, causing them to act, be, to act different. Jeremy read this. I'm trying to think of ways to get the cows to get back into the routine. And he was just like, alright, I'm just gonna try this again. I'm gonna try to slaughter one of the one of the bucks, you know. And just bring the cows in and just do that. So when he was bringing the male cow uh, into the slaughtering pen, out of sight from the other animals, he strapped him in and he was ready to, you know, ready to give the cow the shot to clock him out very quickly. But then he heard a lot of mooing all throughout the farm. Now before then, he's never heard 25 cows moo simultaneously. But at the time, it terrified him to his core. 
not just the moves themselves, but the anger behind them, the rage and all that. Eventually, he heard a lot more clamoring, you know, them ramming their horns against the doors and all that, against the walls. Eventually, uh, Jeremy goes back into the barn area where all the rest of the cows are. And then right as he goes in, he sees one of the bucks break open one of the pens. And they all just stampede towards him. They topple him, trample him. He falls, and he's crushed. He's still alive, still breathing. But he can barely move one of his legs and one of his arms so he does the strength that he has left to get himself against the wall so he can rise himself up and try to call some medical assistance 911 or something get an ambulance over and whatnot and as he's trying to stand back up again by leaning himself against the wall he sees all the cows start to open the other pens from the outside. And eventually all the cows fill the open area in the barn. All 25 of them. Jeremy gets up and gets out of the barn. He tries to use his phone, but it doesn't have a signal. He tries to call his wife, who's back at the house, just half a mile over. And before he's able to make a call, all the cows are just storming out simultaneously. And they're all ramming themselves against the open range fencing bust that open too. Jeremy's just like, what the hell are you guys doing? And one of the cows turned to him and said, well, we're leaving. And Jeremy's just like, oh shit, we can talk. And then the cow's like, yeah, we can. See, we were abducted by aliens and we're taught some of their ways so we can communicate with other races on the planet. You see, other aliens have been watching the planet and perceived us as the intelligent race because the humans fucked everything up. And the humans are just like, oh, well, we're just trying to figure things out. And Cal's just like, no, we've had plenty of time to figure things out. What you've done to the planet, the way climate change is going, it's time for us cows to take the lead. walking out, leaving the ranch, leaving the farm, and Jeremy falls again. His leg is limp from being tr trampled, has very vicious bruising all over his body. And then over the hill he sees the cows go, and sees means for 
livelihood to just leave him. Uh, the goats on the property are rustling around. I hope they're not getting any ideas. Alright, this next story is called Hotel Motel. save the planet and whatnot to restore balance to the carbon system. And Becca was reading this online and she was just like, oh, reminds me of all the UFO shit I used to read. So that motivated her to pull out an old magazine that she had about UFOs specifically. It was published in 1997. There's a lot of topical references uh, specific to that decade, you know. References that uh, Bill Clinton was a lizard person that went to secret islands and all of that. And also just stories of UFOs coming down and mutilating cows. Becca chuckled and she was just like, oh, I hope the cows that broke out of that farm doesn't know about that story. She did ponder it for a bit. Cows knew how the uh, human society treated them. And if they had uh, human-like sentience of their own, what would they do about it? It always troubled Becca to think about big questions like this, things about the world and society. She always limited herself for watching the news. She just liked to stay in her own little media bubble and just watch just random shit occasionally. Nothing too thought-provoking. Maybe that was part of the reason why she got a job at Hotel Motel. It was rare that rare that anyone came in. It was just um, buried somewhere in the woods. Only people driving, I don't know, people on the way to Reading or Allentown, Pennsylvania, from Bethlehem, would only really see it. But she liked working somewhere remote. Somewhere where she didn't have to think about society. 
about the threats humanity causes the carbon system. She didn't fully realize it, but that's why she often liked to read UFO literature. Because a lot of it was bullshit. Not so much about the Bill Clinton going to the island thing, but, you know, all like the UFOs and Bigfoots and whatnot, you know. She just wanted to drown in that very haphazard lore. And working at Hotel Motel, she would meet people who were also enthusiasts for that stuff. Some people would say, oh, I'm just here hunting for Sasquatch. And she's just like, oh, that's in the Northwest. And Sasquatch was just like, ah, that's a test. You know, I'm actually looking for the Jersey Devil. And Becca's just like, oh, wouldn't that be in Jersey? And the UFO guy would be like, ah, good, good. Another test, and you passed. And then Becca would say, oh, so what are you doing out here? And the guy would just laugh, ha, and then nod slowly. And then turn around and just, like, sob to himself, and then go to the room that he checked out. After that specific interaction, Becca was just like, yeah... Maybe a lot of people out here just don't like the big questions, doing the big things. So again, Becca was reading that UFO magazine. And eventually someone walks in, in a black suit and a black trench coat, and a black pork pie hat circular glasses and a dark mustache with the ends of it curled out outward. And Becca's just like, oh, can I help you? And he's just like, yes, is this the, uh, the Motel Hotel? And Becca's like, no, this is the Hotel Motel. And the guy looked confused and he's just like, oh, I thought this was a hotel. And Becca was like, well, it's just a name. You see, it's the Hotel Motel. It's actually a motel, but we called it a hotel, just uh, so it would get more, like, you know, customers and residents and whatnot. But really, it's just a motel. Uh, see, like, the whole CSO thing, when you type in uh, hotel, you know, this location pops up, even though it's not a hotel. But it's a motel. Like, since you're here now and it's late, you know, just thought I'd tell you. Physical man nodded, and he's just like, okay, uh, I appreciate the honesty, I guess. But yeah, I'll just, uh, stay for one night. And Becca was just like, yeah, sure. And she did the whole thing, took the credit card. And, uh, when she looked at the credit card, she didn't make it a habit to memorize the names and numbers on it. Again, that would be too much of a big think. But she couldn't help but notice that when she read the numbers, they just said over and over again, 666-999, 666-999, and that repeated pattern. And when she turned it over, it would say the same thing, because nines are sixes upside down and vice versa. Except for the last two digits, which were a 
69. So she handed back the card. And the quizzical man says, oh yes, thank you, thank you. And he turns and he sees the fish tank that they have there. Except there are no fish in it. It's just a couple of lizards that the owner has. And the man looks enthralled. He turns to Becca and he says, Oh, how much are for how much are the lizards? And then Becca says, Well, the lizards aren't for sale, you know. Uh, they're the owners. Uh, you know, a lot of people have like, you know, fish tanks or whatever. But he thought it'd be really cool if it was like lizards or something as a way of just like standing out. But, uh, I, you know, that's just his own opinion. Personally, I don't even like lizards. But the stranger says, oh, well, you must let me have them then. And Becca's just like, well, it's just, it's not my call is all. If you want, I can give you the contact info for the guy who runs the place and maybe you can work out a deal or something if he's willing to part with them. And the man says, no, I'm afraid that'll take too much time. It's time I don't have. And Becca says, alright. I thought I'd offer. If you change your mind, I can just give you the info. So the man nods and says, thank you, thank you. So he leaves the office and then goes up to the second floor from the outside. So Becca's just chilling at the desk, doing her usual graveyard run for the job, flipping through the magazine. Now going on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all those random uh, social media sites. Perfect places for her to rot her brain, which... She didn't quite know that she was doing that, but really she did, she did know. People are more aware than they realize. So the phone rings. It's about 2.20 in the at night. And Becca answers hello. And the guy's just like, oh yeah, this is uh, Steve. And Becca's like, oh hi Steve. Steve has been staying at Hotel Motel for two and a half months able to make his uh, his bills so Becca doesn't ask questions. And Steve's just like, yeah, there's um, a lot of strange noises happening in the, uh, in the room next to mine. This isn't the, this isn't the first time uh, Becca had this complaint from the hotel motel. And she's just like, uh, I mean, you know, we get that a lot. It's like, you know, and I don't hear anything from my office. Steve says, no, it's not like banging or anything. It's not like yelling or something, you know. Those things I'm used to. You know, I've gotten those complaints myself or whatever. But it's just a weird squishing and a weird murmuring. And Becca was just like, well, is it sex? And Steph Steve is like, no. No, it's not sex. I couldn't tell you what it is. sound I've ever heard, but it's been going on for three hours, and it's keeping me awake. And Becca's just like, well, I got some time to kill. I guess I can go check on them, whatever, maybe knock, or 
phone call or anything. And Steve's just like, oh, great, I appreciate that, and he hangs up. So Becca picks up the phone and she calls that room, just the same room that the uh, mustache stranger checked out. So she made the phone call, and it rang for a long time. The phones don't have answering machines, but she could hear the ringtone for about for 20 times. So he was either a heavy sleeper or ignoring it. And eventually the man answers, uh, hello? And Becca's just like, hi, this is your wake-up call. Which was a lie, it was just an excuse for her to call the room without being intrusive. Even though it did come off as intrusive, but no one can blame her for it. At least not directly, even though it was something she was doing deliberately. She had a whole thing in her brain of like how that made sense. But also, she's not the biggest of thinkers. The man's like, oh no, I didn't, I didn't do any wake-up call or anything like that. And Becca said, oh well, it's, you know, I thought I'd, you know, thought I'd just call and just wake you up. Stranger's like, yeah, I'm awake, thanks. And Becca says, oh, so what's going on there? Why are you in town? And then he just hangs up. Not feeling like he has to deal with it. So again, she waits some more reads the magazine. She thought maybe she interrupted whatever he was doing. Maybe the noise has stopped. But then the phone rang again. And it was the stranger's neighbor from the other side. And she knew this uh, first resident. She uh, went to high school with him. And he was a divorced dad. Or separated from his household. And he's been staying at the hotel motel for three days. phone he just tells her uh, I can't I, I can't sleep and Becca was worried that he was trying to do like a booty call kind of thing and she was just like oh well sorry to hear that and then the guy said no but the room next door something's happening in that room and I can't sleep and Becca said oh well, we didn't get a noise complaint from that room you know Try calling, or maybe you can try talking to them or something. And the guy's just like, no, no. It's not the sounds that are coming from the room. It's the vibes, man. I can't handle the vibes coming from that room. Now, Becca didn't have any uh, tangible knowledge of any vibe curation, except for the random shit she read from UFO magazines. So she said, alright, I'll see what I can do. And then she hangs up. So, taking a deep breath. She, uh, gets up to the second floor. And prepares herself to knock on the stranger's door. But then she hears voices on the other end. And she listens. There's no time left, but it doesn't matter, we have to do it anyway. 
listens in a little more. We have to steer the carbon system. I know, I know, but we need more time. There is no more time. They're gonna make a move and we have to do something fast. So then eventually Becca feels bad for eavesdropping and she knocks on the door again. And then she hears a lot of rumbling, a lot of shifting of clothing and whatnot. And then the man in the trench coat comes out again. He looks a little bit off. Uh, the skin on his face is, is seems looser. Maybe he didn't get his beauty sleep, Becca thought. And she was just like, uh, hey, um, I, I don't know what's going on in that room, and personally I don't care, but we're getting some uh, complaints from your neighbors and stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And Becca was just like, okay, so whatever you're doing, maybe like keep it down or keep it to yourselves, you know. Again, I don't know, I don't care, you know. I'm not asking, so you don't have to tell, but like even still, just like, you know. And the guy says, yes, yes, of course. I apologize deeply. And Becca's just like, alright, yeah, it's okay. So then he closes the door, and Becca's just like, well, uh, hopefully that took care of it. There's only a few more hours till dawn, and for some reason, this shift in particular, she really couldn't wait for that time. So she goes back with her dingy UFO magazine. something from the upper, upper floor and it's just like, oh, this is weird. And then it stops. And then she notices she looks over at the fish tank and she sees that the lizards are gone. She was just like, wait, no. And she was like, yeah, there are about like three lizards in here. They escape. The top remained on the fish tank. She was looking, looking around on the floor, trying to see if they scattered somewhere. She was just like, oh shit. She was... This shift was really stressing her out, so in a manic state, she thought that the mysterious stranger was... stole the lizards. So she had the idea of taking a key to that room, and then just opening the door herself confront the stranger. She brought a pocket knife, knife with her just in case, because Hotel Miltel had a wide array of guests, and she always liked to be prepared, especially in these unprecedented times. So she went upstairs. her when she put the key against the door lock she can hear the voice of a stranger of, of the stranger and, she, and he was just like oh just a minute just a minute and heard a lot of a lot of grumbling and shuffling of clothing and objects and all that and then she storms in and then he sees the guy in a half button trench coat half-button shirt, his pants weren't all the way on, 
clothes that the man wore were filled with a bunch of lizards. And there are lizards scattered around on the couch and on the floor. She looked at the man's face and it was just a latex mask with a bunch of lizards in it. Even one lizard head was poking out one of the eye holes because his glasses weren't on. Now reading all those UFO magazines, she was more equipped for the situation than she thought. But she was still stupefied and she said, what the fuck is going on here? And eventually like cockroaches, the lizard man just collapses. All the lizards just scatter out of his suit. And they just like rush out of the room. Out through the outdoor hall. Some falling off. She walks into the room. And she's, there's a lot of like papers and photographs everywhere. Pictures of well-known politicians. And pictures of lizards. And a bunch of marionette diagrams of these politicians controlled by the lizards. She's like, oh my god. There's a lot of hardcore scheming happening in this room. But then she left the room and closed the door behind her and just thought, no, this is, this is too big to think about. Alright. This next story is called when compost attacks. Rodney Copperfield. He was not elected mayor. He just happened to seize the position when the previous mayor retired. much of him as a mayor, you know, pretty aloof, pretty inept, out of touch for sure. There are protests happening in his town. He was not
not handling it well. He didn't know the first square of the array of things you can do to make your city better in light of the movement that was happening all around the country. As well as the global turmoil around the world. You see, Ronnie just wanted to sit on the beach and drink mojitos. He didn't want to be the face of power in any way. He deemed himself fortunate because Harrisburg was the location of state government. So whenever there was any tumultuous news, they were the ones that often got most of the coverage. And he was an individual who went to all lengths to not be accountable. However, one thing the mayor did one thing that the mayor did do was just leaving a note on his desk upon his re resignation. Resignation. But then Rodney just on his first day of mayor. Just left a note. And all the note said was, don't call the lizards, and then a phone number. Now Rodney, you know, didn't know what he meant by lizards. And if that, if the lizards were able to be contacted by the phone number, why he would leave the number in the first place. Maybe he was obligated to do it. Maybe the former mayor's uh, contract into power was just like, you know, if you leave, you gotta give the next person this number. Perhaps that former mayor found a loophole by leaving a note saying not to call that number. Rodney Copperfield only speculated. But like many mayors, you know, around the country, during, during a movement that had an opportunity for hope, and some opportunities for proactive change, if you knew how to go about it, Ronnie didn't want to be held accountable for not doing those things, not going for the change that this country so desperately needed. He didn't even know what that looked like. Just whenever there was a press conference, he would just go in and just like say a bunch of bullshit things, you know, appeal to big businesses and all that, and then bail. He'd always be sweaty after those press conferences of just fucking things up. He was in Harrisburg City Council to begin with, just as a way of coasting, you know, just like, uh, city, city government and a state, uh, capital, you know, should be a cinch, you know. Again, I'll get the paycheck and the 
doing the work without any of the limelight, you know. Rodney was an old-fashioned bureaucrat, you know. Just fucking pushing shit for just no reason. So in his office, uh, he gets a call that's transferred from his secretary. And Rodney's like, hello? And then the person on the underline says, hey, you need to, you need to get to Allentown. And Rodney was just like, Allentown? That's really far away, you know, I'm in Harrisburg, you know, in the center of the state, Allentown, like, on the eastern end, why do you need me there? And the voice says, just, you're gonna want to see this mayor. We have a driver set up outside. You should really come. And Rodney was just like, well, I got other Harrisburg shit to do. Said no, everything's been cleared, everything's been pushed back. You just we just need you in Harrisburg. And midway through this phone call, you know, someone in sunglasses and a suit just comes in. It's just like, Yeah, come with us, Rodney. Rodney's just like, What? Then reluctantly, he follows them into the car. He's just like, Well, I suppose if I don't have anything scheduled, I guess I can go. So he's on the ride all the way to Allentown. city, Rodney says, where are we going anyway? And then the guy says, we're almost there. Look out the window. So Rodney looks out. And he sees multiple buildings just decimated. All collapsed and destroyed. was this? And the driver says, alright, let's get out of the car. So they walk to the wreckage. And there are people in hazmat suits, hazmat suits, you know, analyzing and whatnot. And the driver says, don't, de get, don't get too close. This is the man we gotta see. So the driver leads him to a man in a black suit, black trench coat, black pork pie hat, circular sunglasses, and a mustache that curled at the ends. And he says, oh, you're the mayor of Harrisburg? And Ronnie's just like, yeah, yeah, who are you? What is, what is this? And the man says, all right. tossing and turning about, like, letting you in on what's really going on, but here we are. These buildings were decimated by compost. And Rodney's just like, compost? And then the stranger said, yes, compost. You see, compost has been weaponized by cows, and we need them to be 
stopped. Ronnie was just like, well, cows? What? And the stranger said, come walk with me. Rodney obliges. So they're walking out in the perimeter of the wreckage. And the stranger said, a couple months ago, uh, these cows were abducted by aliens and then broke out of their farm. Apparently they were given some set of knowledge that we don't understand. But they're going to use it to try to curb climate change so that the planet and the species on it can live on. And in their efforts to try to find more proactive ways to repurpose fuel and waste and all that. They found a way to weaponize compost. You see, if you have enough compost in one location, it starts to develop its own ecosystem outside of the area surrounding it. Whether it's outside of ha outside a house or whatever. And then the compost starts eating itself it erodes itself as the way nature intended, but not the way we intend. So the cows use this phenomenon to weaponize it and use it against us. And they chose this location to test out their technology because this is where the reptile zoo is located. Reps Reptileitarium as we like to call it. And Ronnie's looking at it and she's like, oh yeah, I remember I went to this reptile uh, zoo museum thing when I was a kid. The stranger said, yes, a lot of people did. You see, lizards can bring happiness to a lot of people. We can't have these cows curbing climate change. And he said, well, isn't that good? You know, that way the, you know, if the climate gets hotter, you know, it's a good way for the species to thrive. And then the man said, yes, but lizards won't be able to thrive. If the climate gets hotter, and if agriculture gets all fucked up, a lot of humans will die out. But the lizards will remain. Lizards are smart or adaptable. They can function much better without humans. It's something we've been pushing for a long time. And Ronnie thought about it and he said, Are you the lizards? And then the man said, Yes, yes we are the lizards. Ronnie said, well, I'm, I'm human, so, you know, why are you telling me all this? So the man with the curly mustache laughed, and he said, for a couple reasons. One, we know you'll do as you're told, 
unless it's by uh, swaths of protesters that actually want the country to be a better place and protest for that. But we know you, you do what you're told by bureaucrats and people who give you money and whatnot. And the other reason is that you're not as seaman as you think you are. backed away and just like, alright, well, I don't know what you're expecting me to do about this. And the man says, well, we, we know that the cows are in Pennsylvania. We know they're heading, they're spreading out, they're trying to expand their reach. They're heading for different hubs in the country to attack American institutions. You love America, don't you? And Rodney's just like, ugh, well, I'm not so sure anymore. And the stranger said, what? And Rodney said, uh, yes, yeah, I do. I'm the mayor of Harrisburg, after all, you know? I think it's, I think it's totes groovy, you know? William Penn, huh, that guy was the shit. And the stranger said, yeah, cool, good. But we know some cows are coming to Harrisburg. They're also planning to deploy their compost weapon there. We don't know what the target is yet. We know it'll go after these American institutions that you love and hold so dear. We know how much you love bullshit bureaucracy. And Rodney was just like, oh, well, I don't think bureaucracy is bullshit. It's not in this country, really. You know, I think it's a, it's a great way to govern things, you know? to have a lot of a set of checks and balances. I mean, a lot of people accuse that of just, like, halting progress or whatnot, but, you know, I think I think bureaucracy is a good thing, you know? I don't think it's bullshit. And the stranger laughed. The laughter sounded like it was coming from a hundred voices. And he said, We know, Rodney. We know. So eventually, Rodney is escorted back to Harrisburg. He gets back by nightfall. just like, you know, taking care of himself, going to bed and doing all that. And he gets out of the shower when he's combing his hair. And he's just like, not all human. What's that supposed to mean? So he's combing his hair. Feels a piece of hair fall out. And he's just like, oh, am I, am I going bald already? 39, it's too soon. So he's pulling at his hair a little bit more. More clumps fall out. And also some pieces of skin as well. At first he thinks it's dead skin and dandruff and whatnot. But he keeps pulling at it more and more. Eventually he pulls off pieces of his scalp. And he's just like, what the hell is this? will take off large chunks of his scalp and then also chunks of his face and eventually rips off the upper half of his face where his eye is and he looks at himself and he just sees a bunch of lizards behind his skin behind a 
version of a skull that's operated by lizards. Not like the full bone that he expected, or the muscle, really. It was all just lizard machinery. Reptilian and all of that. He stares at the mirror, stares at the exposed lizards, and he says, Oh my god. And then some of the lizards fall out into the sink. He stares at the sink. And he sees the lizards, and he's just like, No, that's a piece of me. I have to put it back. trying to keep the lizards in place. It's just, gets the call and it's just like, yes, the, we just had an attack on Harrisburg. A compost attack. The mayor said, I understand. I'll be right there. He hangs up and looks in the mirror again. And then he says, I have to do what's right for the carbon system. It's worth noting that I have no uh, political insight to what's going on in Harrisburg right now. It's just I'm. Um, I just have had a bit of a fixation of Harrisburg recently, you know, but whatever. Alright, this final story. <sighs> Can't stand military helicopters. This final story is called, Check It for Bugs. Lizards had a trick on their own. 
had an alliance with bugs. And they were using that to affect, infect the cows and get them sick. And also to eavesdrop on them, to report on anything that can go back to the lizards. Artemis was a human. But she eventually got to know the cows and was open to their calls and wanted to be a support for that. Because the last thing humanity needs is a bunch of fucking lizard people just, you know, just controlling everything and really fucking things up for everyone else. bug on him. And she sees the tick, and then she sees it crawling, and she tries to pry it off. And the cow's like, wait, wait, just burn it off. And Artemis is like, okay, yeah, yeah. So she takes a lighter and starts lighting at it. And eventually it gets the tick to fall off, but still crawl around. Actually, she picks it up with some tweezer, tweezers and leaves it on a tray in a container. She keeps probing the cow for more bugs. And in its underbelly, she finds a cockroach. And she pulls that off as well. Not enthusiast for cockroaches, but she thought this one was particularly nasty. So she wriggles around and she just puts it down in another tray. They want to save the bugs to see if they can get uh, some information from them of some sort. Maybe learn more about the lizards. she's checking the cows throughout the day, you know, there aren't, there aren't any more bugs on them that she can find. And there are other humans there also helping out the cows, you know, try to, in an attempt to try to curb climate change before species reaches disaster in 40 years. As Artemis is putting her gear away, she sees the cockroach that she pulled off earlier escape from its tray and scatter around, and she shouts, don't let it get away! So like other humans and cows are trying to go after it. But the cockroach, being very stealthy and dexterous, eventually gets up on the table where a computer is and a keyboard. Cockroach climbs on the keyboard and starts typing things in different letters. 
Artemis can see what's happening and she just watches. Another cow with her watches too, named Bruce, and she thinks that cow's cool and stuff. They're pals during this uh, extravagant thing the cows are going through. So the cockroach is typing on the keyboard, one letter at a time. And the first word just said meeting. And then the rest of the phrase just said meeting with the lizards. Five under South Bridge. while the United States is having a prospective civil war of their own. All these fucking wars going on, man. Oh, damn. But Artemis just thinks what the lizards would want to talk about to negotiate. For the cows, the only thing they wanted was to save the planet from the effects of climate change. To avoid a mass extinction. status quo for their own ends. But eventually what the cows decide is to send two cows and Artemis to the meeting. One of the cows was does a lot of leadership roles. And it was one of the first 25 cows to be abducted by those aliens. Given the knowledge that they were given to try to just try to save the planet in some capacity at least. And then they send Bruce, Artemis's pal, and Artemis herself. So Artemis is driving in her truck, the two cows in back. Made it to the South Bridge. the bridge they just see a little opening to a tunnel they see a stranger there black suit black trench coat black pork pie hat circular sunglasses curly mustache and he's just like oh yes we've been expecting you So he leads the two cows and uh, Artemis down a set of catacombs, and Artemis just thought to herself, how many, how many tunnels like this have the lizards built? they arrive to 
what appears to be a meeting room. Conference room. It's a large table. There are some men there. All presumably operated by lizards. But some may be actually human. One of them is Rodney Copperfield, the mayor of Harrisburg. Who's really embraced a role, aligning with the lizards to squash the cows. Artemis sits at the table and the cows just stand because they can't sit, you know, in the way that humans can, or lizard people can, I suppose. So the stranger with the curly mustache sits at the head of the table. He just says, Oh, you've been fighting a really good hard fight, haven't you? The cow says, Yes, we we have. What are, you, what, are you, what are you doing? What do you want? And then the lizard says, Oh, we just want a, a truce. A treaty of some sort. And then the head cow, you know, from the first 25, is just like, Well, what do, you, what do you have in mind, you know? And the stranger said, Well, you know, we've been fighting to curb climate change. Something we lizards have been working towards for hundreds of years. Adapting to a few bureaucracies here, a few bureaucracies there. The humans that claim to want to take charge. The humans that claim to want to take charge are already adequately, you know, fucking things up for the rest of the humans who just want to just fucking live in peace. Not a tall ask, really. lizards work for generations upon generations to help humans cultivate the technology to damage the planet enough to provoke climate change for a mass extinction and with this mass extinction you know us lizards will survive but it seems like you put a lot of work into trying to protect humans and whatnot. And the head cow says, well, you know, somebody has to, you know. That's not necessarily true, but it's like, we care about this planet too, and the species on it. We're not just gonna let a bunch of fucking lizard people, you know, fuck the shit up for everyone. And the mustache lizard person was like, okay, okay. What if, what if we can come to an agreement where we can delay climate change long enough for cows to thrive and whatnot? We can dele delegate cows up north where you can all live peacefully while we allow climate change to do what it will to the human species. That way lizards can finally be the dominant race on this planet. Like, no, that's fucked up. We're not doing that. And 
person says, hey, well, we've been running this game for a long time. So we know how to do it, and we know how to keep it going. And Cal says, well, we don't care. As far as we're concerned, your time's up. No one needs lizard people or, like, Donald Rumsfelds or whatever to just, like, tell people how to live, assuming people can't take care of themselves. You treat people like farm animals. And the lizard person laughs and says, oh, so that's it. I suppose you know how that feels, right? didn't like your resources harvested on a farm. You don't want that to happen to another species. I see. I see. Well, how about this then? We're developing some technology where we can... Burger King has already experimented with it. We're already striving to do vegetarian and vegan substitutes for meat, doing 3D printed food, grass-based products. So when anyone wants steak or red meat or anything like that, no cows or other animals in general have to be harmed for it. We're starting small, we're working with fast food chains, fast food chains. We can just have processed goo and chicken nuggets or whatever to take that in. But eventually we'll, we'll learn to be able to master the mimicking of the steak flavor. So people don't have to meet, eat meat ever again. And that way the humans won't have any use to harvest your meat or your dairy or anything like that. We can do the same for milk too. There's already a lot of milk substitutes, you know? Isn't that a future you want to build towards? So then Bruce, the cow, Artemis's pal, is just like, look, this is something you lizard people don't understand. It's not about giving some people, some people rights over others to keep enough people happy Everyone should just be able to live in peace without any impeding restrictions by government or corporations or anything like that. Nothing that can come in harm's way. Nothing that can damage their families for generations. So why don't you lizard people just fuck off and stop trying to barter with human life? There's nothing else to discuss in this meeting, you know, I guess we can... Yeah, you're free to go. I guess when we schedule a meeting, we promise you a safe, uh, leaving and going, so, yeah, go ahead. So the 
cows are just like walking out. And the mysterious stranger says, oh, but if you have any uh, disposable food-based trash, feel free to throw it out in the compost bin. compost bin. Then she turns and sees a compost bin there. Then she realizes Im immediately that the lizard people somehow to found the same way to weaponize the compost in the same way the cows did. So she just shouts, run! Her and the two cows are running down the hall up the catacombs. There's a lot of different turns, and they were being guided by one of the lizard people, so it's hard to find their way back. Eventually, they leave the tunnels with a bunch of laugh laughing lizard people coming out from underground. It's almost, it's almost daylight. It's dawn. It's approaching dawn. They knew they were safe because they knew that these lizard people didn't go out in the sunlight without their disguises. So the cows are just like, oh, alright, we made it out. And Artemis is just feeling a burn. And then she falls and she's like, oh, I don't feel good. So like, oh, let me take a look, let me take a look. So she's she's analyzing her body, and then he's just like, oh, it's kind of the shoes on the other foot on this round. She's like, yeah, yeah. So when you were giving that uh, speech down the tunnels, you were saying it's fucked up that the lizard people were guarding with human, human life. They were talking about, you know, cows and whatnot. said, yeah, but, you know, it's everyone, everyone matters in this, you know, I don't want to say we're all in this together, because that's just like a, a vapid pandemic slogan that a lot of uh, service corporations pushed, but really, that's what it comes down to, you know, we gotta watch each other's back, you know, stick together, find peace, take care of the people you love. All the basic principles you probably find in, you know, Star Trek The Next Generation, like Steven Universe or something, you know. And Artemis is just like, huh, yeah. I guess cows really are wiser than humans. And then Bruce said, well, if that's true, maybe that can change someday. So she's looking at... Bruce is looking at Artemis's body, and then just sees a bit of compost in the back of her calf. Bruce is like, oh no. And it starts eating away at her. She's just like, what? What? And then Bruce is just like, it's already happened. They got you with the weaponized compost. She was just like, oh shit, no. So she sits, she can see the sunrise in the distance, and feel her body slowly erode away, 
not just on the surface, but on the inside. The exhausting from fighting an underground war. She takes some breaths. She tries to think of some last words, you know. She always wondered if this day would come in the way that it did. But she doesn't think of anything witty or anything like that. She just looks at the cows and knowing she doesn't have a lot of time left, she's just like, huh, I love you guys. And then the cows nod and Bruce says, yeah, we love you too. She was already gone by the time he said it. So eventually, Guard of Mrs. Body falls over and then starts to slowly erode. And eventually, it doesn't take long for her body to just become like a very withered skeleton, just sitting on the asphalt and all that. two cows look at each other and they start walking off off to return with the other cows to talk about what transpired so they're both looking at each other and both walking as the sun's rising and then the head cow just you know, said, to, said to Bruce you really think everything's gonna be okay this and then Bruce just kind of just said god I hope so well that was quarantine spook show thank you for tuning in scale of 1 to 10. How obvious is it that I'm freaking out about war? <laughs> Good night, everyone.